0: Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. In general, talking about how a food or beverage is processed is not the way to win the hearts, minds, and money of today's consumers who increasingly want products that are fresh and made with clean ingredients and as close to their natural state as possible but there is a notable exception to this rule which is not only delivering on all three of these consumer demands but also on the safety that regulators and producers require and it's taking the industry by storm i'm talking about high pressure processing which seemingly came out of nowhere several years ago to become a $12 billion industry today that's predicted to double in the next six years. To find out what's driving this growth and how brands and manufacturers can hitch a ride on HPP's fast-rising wave, I caught up with Lisa Pitzer, the Chief Marketing Officer for Avure Technologies, which makes HPP Equipment. I also caught up with two executives who selected that technology to make their brands: Jasmine Sutherland, who's the president of Perfect Meals and Texas Food Solutions, and Jen Berliner, who's the chief marketing officer for Zupanoma, which makes chilled sippable soups. As the name suggests, high- pressure processing uses pressure rather than heat to kill pathogens. But Pitzer explained in greater detail how this works and why it is more desirable in today's food culture.
1: High pressure processing is 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 a way to pasteurize products without heat. So it uses ultra high pressure purified water to keep foods pathogen free. Uh, so, for example, pathogens such as E. coli, listeria, um, are, uh, and salmonella are inactivated during the process of high-pressure processing. Their cell wall is destroyed and they eventually die. So it is a way to, like I said, pasteurize without heat. Um, so, food safety is the biggest benefit, but with when you pasteurize without heat, you also get to keep all of the vitamins and minerals and nutrients, and um, and the process extends its shelf life. So, it's a very compelling process that uh, allows consumers and producers to have a total clean label product that tastes great, it's nutritious with all its vitamins and minerals intact and extensive shelf life.
0: She also explained why this is so desirable for today's manufacturers and consumers.
1: The market is growing at about 15% per year and the reason, there are many reasons for that. one of the reasons is the consumer demand for clean label food um, so that uh, more and more customers consumers millennials they are looking at ingredient labels on food packages and they don't want to see any preservatives on their food and food that's been high-pressure processed can be all-natural and preservative-free. It's always located in the refrigerated space, so it's located in that outer perimeter of the grocery store that consumers uh, like to shop. And um, more and more larger companies are expanding their portfolios with all natural products so that's contributing to the growth as well Um, consumers want clean label products producers uh, are trying to grow their profit margins by offering more clean label products so it's it's a win-win for everybody
0: with so much to offer it shouldn't have surprised me to learn that hpp is growing fast across all categories from fruits and vegetables to meat and seafood to soups and sauces. But if I'm honest, I was surprised because I most associate HPP with fresh juices. And according to Pitzer, most consumers do too, but they shouldn't.
1: Most people know about, or a lot of people know about the juice juices um, because the juice industry, the beverage industry, has accepted the verbiage as verbiage of cold-pressed. So the majority of beverages that are um, labeled cold-pressed have been high-pressure processed. Um, but it's actually not the biggest category. The biggest category is meat. And whenever you go to the grocery store and you see meat that says no preservatives, all natural, that's been high-pressure processed. Um, Hormel's natural choice line is a huge, um, is a huge, they were one of the first adopters. They're a huge user of HPP. Um, And they um, have expanded their natural choice line into all different kinds of meat. So meat makes up the majority of high pressure food. uh, But the meat industry instead of saying that it's been high-pressure processed because consumers have a negative connotation in their mind about the word processed, processed food, high-pressure processed. So the meat industry didn't want to kind of advertise that term. So they're just using, like, all natural and no preservatives on their labels. Um, But there are other categories that you've probably haven't even heard of yet. Like, for example, um, a lot of ready meals that are being delivered by services such as Blue Apron, um, services like those, uh, they have been high pressure processed as well. That's a growing category. Um, When we say fruits and vegetables, so all guac- commercial guacamole, for example, all-holy guacamole has been high-pressure processed. And if you have ever made guacamole yourself, um, you know that the you know it the shelf life of fresh guacamole is two to three days. But with guacamole that has been high-pressure processed, it can last. Up to 45 days without uh, any change in its taste and uh, nutritional value. Um, a lot of uh, when we say fruits, a lot of smoothies have been high pressure processed. Um, another growing category are soups and sauce, sauces. Uh, Tio Gazpacho is a, a up and coming cold cold soup that has been high pressure processed Um, wet salad and dips uh, for example uh, a lot of salads that you see in the grocery stores like say a macaroni salad or a seafood salad those have been high pressure processed Um, salad dressings is a growing category Um, The all-natural yogurt-based dressings by Bolthouse Farms, those were developed, uh, their recipes were developed completely in our laboratory with Bolthouse. Seafood and and shellfish is another example of high-pressure processing success. It's a little bit different than the other ones that I've talked about in that um, with seafood and shellfish, high-pressure processing gives you 100% of the um, separation of the meat from the shell. So with, for example, lobsters, clams, mussels, um, producers can, seafood producers can um, really reduce their shucking labor. And they get 100% of the meat from the shell. And there are parts of, uh, say, a lobster that can only be extracted from the lobster using high-pressure processing. There's no way to manually shuck it and get to it. Um, and, and those are delicacies. Uh, in addition, with seafood, um, the the high pressure processing of the seafood allows the seafood to gain a little bit extra moisture so it weighs a little more so the processors are able to you know get a little more profit. it weighs more and they're get a, they're able to get a little little more profit from their product their seafood products. So um, another another category is salsa. Um, Homemade salsa would last maybe one to two weeks tops. Um, high-pressure processed salsa, which tastes just as good as the day you would make it, um, can last um, up to 90 days with high-pressure processing.
0: Well, HPP may sound like a panacea for everything. It isn't. There are several things that it cannot do, as Pitzer explains.
1: It cannot do products that are dry or don't contain a lot of um, high pressure processing for it to work. It needs some uh, moisture in the product. It needs a certain amount of water activity. Um, so dry, dry products without. Uh, water activity or moisture would not work so for example um, bread would not work um, any type of dry ingredients would not work like like uh, dry rice would not work but a lot of these ready meals if the rice is cooked and contains moisture that it's able to be high pressure processed so even with things that can't work sometimes you can you can uh, You know, we do that in our lab all the time where we test products and recipes and help people develop their products so that they can be high-pressure processed.
0: There are also other challenges with using HPP, a big one of which is cost. Like most new technologies, HPP isn't the most affordable pasturation process available. But as Jasmine Sutherland explained, there is a solution, and it's called tolling. This is a service she provides at Texas Food Solutions after having used it herself when she first started making her ready, fresh, perfect fit meals.
2: We handle HPT from two sides. One, we have, we manufacture our own products. Uh, we also help other companies that are looking to get their product into HPT launch into that with our tolling facility, Texas Food Solutions. Um, we actually told a uh, our, our perfect at meals products for quite some time um, we decided to invest in the technology because we believed in it and because we were growing our company um, and with that we didn't just buy a machine for ourselves we we opened up a completely separate business so that way others could have use of, of that machine as well um, Tolling is is making a very a, a multi-million dollar piece of equipment accessible to multiple people um, which is nice because we're able to run smaller companies, just like we were a smaller company, we we couldn't have made that capital investment in a large piece of equipment and all the infrastructure. But with the toller, we were able to kind of pay as we go to make sure that we could have that safety added to our product without having to completely invest in everything else. When you're a startup or when you're launching a new product, you want to focus on that product. You want to focus on on the creation and the content. The, um, com- the composition of the product. You want to focus on the packaging. You want to focus on the safety surrounding that product. Having to focus on the HTP and the startup and the equipment, all that as well, is sometimes, it, it's a lot of priorities to, to kind of establish. So if you can have a partner that you feel comfortable with um, and together you can kind of tackle that and, and, and not only handle and, and create a, a very great product but also have the safety of HTP, I can't really imagine a better partnership. So we try to be a continuation of processing technology. So when we bring customers in, we learn about everything they're doing from juicing to baby food to yogurt to anything. Um, That's not been the primary industry we've been in as a ready meal producer, but we get up to speed. We learn the importance of, of their HACCP program and how they want their product handled, and we carry it through HPP. So that way it kind of, You know, you have more people looking out for your product and you have more safety overlaying on it.
0: Another potential challenge with HPP is that while the process is known for preserving nutrients, it also can change a product compared to other processes, sometimes for the better, as Sutherland explains.
2: HPP is a little bit different.
0: Um, It has the ability to kind of change your product
2: um, what we found is if you can kind of develop towards HPP, you can change your product for the better. So maybe not using as much sodium in, in, a formulation, um, maybe kind of adjusting your flavor to kind of permeate the protein. So that way you get more flavor through and through It's, it's the best exercise in development because it makes you think more creatively when you're, um, when you're making a product. So it, it's not any insurmountable issue that comes about with HPP. It just means you have to kind of explore and know your product better. Um, <clears throat> because you're, you're developing not just to develop a meal, but you're developing to develop a meal with a specific processing technology. So you have to kind of understand the composition um, and the quality of your product at a, at a deeper level, really.
0: This is also something that the chilled, sippable soup maker Zupa Noma also experienced, as Berliner explained.
2: I think overall, we've been really thrilled with ATP and what it's been able to do for us. It's certainly in the learning process, um, particularly for us, working with you know, seasonal vegetables picked at the, the peak of ripeness. We're learning all sorts of things, like a um, tomato in our tomato gazpacho in January may, you know, come out of HTP different than a, a tomato in July and all these sort of different little nuances that come with seasonality and using incredibly fresh vegetables. So definitely um, some, a bit of a learning curve there and we had some fun digging into that. But uh, overall, I think uh, we've been incredibly happy with the technology.
0: Another important consideration when using HPP is the type of packaging that products can come in. Because CPGs are processed after they're finished and in their packages, the cartons or bottles or trays must also be able to withstand the pressure, a factor that rules out glass and certain shapes of containers. With so much growth and interest in HPP, industry players who use the technique want to ensure that it is consistently used correctly so as not to negatively impact consumers' perception of the value or worse, be connected to a foodborne illness outbreak or widespread recall. As such, the Cold Pressure Council was formed last April and it's developing a cold pressure verified seal that will launch in the coming months and which it says will be similar to the organic certified seal.
1: There are... A lot of uh, misnomers and uh, kind of uh, misunderstandings about the HTP process out there in the industry, and you know the founding members and the the founding companies the first companies using HTP. Everybody wants HPP to to succeed because it is it is so compelling. It's such a great um, process, but if it is not used correctly uh, and say somebody would get sick because they uh, companies are not using high pressure processing like they should, that would be bad for the entire industry. So For that reason, you know, all the major players in the industry wanted to form this council to make sure everyone is using best practices around HPP for the good of HPP as a whole and for the good of the industry as a whole.
0: But in an industry jam-packed with seals already, my question is, will manufacturers use the seal and will consumers understand its value? Sutherland says yes, but it might be a slow build.
2: I'm a new mom, um, and, and I know a lot of, of primary shoppers out there are, are women. Um, I don't always really have time to read labels, and I'm a dietitian, and I love to read labels, unfortunately. But I don't have time. So, anything quick reference to show you that it's a superior product, it, it kind of is doing for HTC what the organic bugs did for organic products that were on the market. It differentiates. It also can explain sometimes why the cost is more on HPC goods versus not. I, I know that I'm getting a safe product. Um, we run an HPP baby food. And I have to say, looking at baby foods lately, there are so many things and a lot of them that I'm just not interested in thinking my, my son. Um, and so whenever I know that it was high pressure processed, I feel a little more secure that it's not going to have some of the issues that some of the other baby foods might. Um, and a lot of baby food is heat pasteurized, but are you really kind of, um, locking in nutrient at that point? Whenever you cook something so much that it's no longer orange, it's kind of a a dingy color. Um, is that really wholesome is my question. You know, what kind of nutrient loss do you have when you have complete color loss? If you look at an HPP baby food, you have a beautiful, brilliant, bright colors still. Um, and, and you're able to maintain safety and integrity. Uh, and I've actually just, I've tried to make to food baby food. You've got quality. It's, it's not like it's something that's been on the shelf for a year that you wouldn't eat yourself. So I, I, think it, I think calling that out to give that quick reference just adds convenience, which is, I think, what a lot of people are looking for and demanding.
0: Berliner was a little more conservative about the seal although she fully supports the idea of the council.
2: I think it makes a lot of sense why HPC is growing so quickly. We're just continuing to see as you know well that consumers are demanding more and and better from their products. And there's really this overarching drive towards clean labels, um, short, simple ingredient lines, and I believe that that's only going to continue to accelerate. So... ATP is really a great tool in allowing companies like Azupanoma and many others in different categories to really deliver these incredibly wholesome, simple products um, at the scale that's going to be needed to sustain change in the industry um, in a way that's very transparent to consumers. So, um, because of that, I think, you know, the formation of this council certainly makes a lot of sense. I think we all recognize that the average consumer on the street may not know what HCP is or what it stands for, or exactly what it means. I think there is growing awareness of it. And, and what we've seen um, with our consumers is that people, you know, might not be able to describe the science behind the front or the exact specific benefits. But HDP really is out there in the lexicon enough, at least with um, some of these consumers that are at the forefront of functional beverage and and some of the categories leading the way with HPP that even if people don't understand exactly what it is, they kind of understand that it's a seal of approval, it means freshness, um, it's kind of a quality indicator, and so I think that's a great place to start, and then the work of this new council I think will be important in continuing to educate consumers exactly what it means um, and, you know, getting into more detail on some of the benefits and how HPP is really the the best solution to deliver um, these products to consumers with the benefits as well as the shelf life. We sometimes see brands out in the market that have, you know, eight seals in a row and they're shrunk down so small so they can put them all on that it is sort of, uh, in my opinion, lose the value of any one individual seal of approval. So the approach that we've taken so far at Supernoma is to really highlight um, two that are incredibly important to us, as you mentioned, our USDA organic certification, and then our Whole30 approved um, sample of approval that reflects our partnership with them and that community. Um, and we do speak to HPP on a secondary panel um, of the bottle, but I think, the, we've learned um, from the constant interaction that we have with our consumers across retail and our direct-to-consumer business that organic and that Whole30 field that Google really are the most important. So I don't see that hierarchy changing. Um, but as HTTP becomes even more mainstream um, and or, you know, as this seal really may take on Uh, meaning in the eyes of consumers, I think it's, it's something we'll continue to watch.
0: Given the traction and possibilities that HPP already has to offer, it will be interesting to see how the newly formed Council and SEAL can help further drive the technology, and how HPP in turn will continue to reshape the way products are presented to consumers. And with that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and you'll join me again next week for another installment. Until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week.